This is a podcast by the Business Times. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the BT Mark to Market podcast. My name is Ben Paul, and I'm a senior correspondent at the Business Times. This series of podcasts, which is based on my weekly column in the Business Times, aims to provide analysis and insight on market trends and corporate issues in Singapore. It's early in the month of October 2021. And like many other people, I'm thinking about getting a new phone. Apple has just come out with the new iPhone 13. And Google is expected to come out with the latest iteration of its Pixel phones, the Pixel 6, which is said to be the smartphone to watch this year. While looking at the ads for these slick new devices, I've been reflecting on how technology is continuing to change the way we do everything, from the way we work and conduct business, to the way we spend our money, and the way we communicate and maintain our relationships. Technological disruption is not a new theme, of course. It's been going on for years, but it's still a very potent factor in the market, forcing more and more companies to change the way they do business. As an investor, this makes me very nervous about taking a long-term view on stocks in general, and especially in the local market. Even though a lot of local stocks are trading at seemingly attractive valuations, I just fear that many of them are on the wrong side of technological disruption and that their shares could end up being value traps. To avoid this, many well-established companies need to move into more promising fields and even change the very way they do business. In this podcast, I'm going to talk about one locally listed company in which I've recently become interested because it seems to be making all the right moves. I will talk about the background of the company and why it's becoming interesting for investors. I will talk about the outlook for the company's various businesses in the year ahead, and I'll offer some views on whether the company's stock has run up too much. The company I've been looking at is Straits Trading. Ironically, this is one of the oldest companies in the local market. It traces its roots back to 1887, during Singapore's colonial era, and its original business was tin smelting. As the British withdrew from the region, Straits Trading was one of a number of companies that came to be acquired by the OCBC Group, and it expanded into the real estate and hospitality sectors. That's all ancient history, of course. What really matters for investors is what's happened to Straits Trading since 2008. That was the year that Straits Trading created a bit of a stir in the market when it became the subject of a tug of war between the family of the late Tan Chin Tuan and the family of the late Li Kong Chian, both of which had deep historical links to the OCBC group. In the end, it was the Tan Chin Tuan faction that prevailed. Today, that family owns more than 74% of Straits Trading, and Tan Chin Tuan's granddaughter, Chu Ge Kim, is the company's executive chairman. To be honest, while observing the fight for control of Straits Trading all those years ago, I didn't really see the potential of the company, and I wondered why they wanted it so badly. And even as the group began to transform itself in the ensuing years, I did not fully appreciate what it was trying to do. It's only with the benefit of hindsight that I now really get it. To put it very simply, over the last decade, Straits Trading has sold some of its less exciting, low-return assets and recycle the capital that was freed up into more promising and scalable growth-oriented businesses. To establish itself in these new fields, the company formed partnerships with other property groups and tapped outside expertise in very sensible ways. One example of this was Straits Trading forming a 30-70 joint venture with Far East Orchard in 2013, called Far East Hospitality Holdings, to create a stronger platform for itself in the hospitality space. 
Explaining the rationale in its 2013 annual report, Straits Trading said that with the joint venture, it went from owning 100% of a hospitality business with almost 3,000 rooms to owning a 30% interest in a hospitality portfolio with more than 13,000 rooms, which would provide it with more options to grow. In fact, Far East Hospitality Holdings now has more than 100 properties and 18,000 rooms in its portfolio. It was also in 2013 that Straits Trading forged its most important partnership, in my view. In October that year, it unveiled what it called a strategic alliance with ARA Asset Management and its founder, John Lim. This involved buying a 20% stake in ARA for $294 million and forming an 89.5% owned co-investment vehicle known as Straits Real Estate with John Lim to pursue real estate investment activities. Now, ARA Asset Management went private in 2017, and in August this year, Hong Kong-listed ESR Cayman said it will acquire ARA Asset Management for $5.2 billion US dollars. Straits Trading still has a roughly 19% stake in ARA, so this acquisition would value its stake at more than $1.14 billion Singapore dollars and result in a big gain for the group. Straits Trading said in an announcement that on a pro forma basis, the transaction would have lifted its net tangible assets per share as at end 2020 from $3.72 to $5.52. As it happened, earlier this year, Straits Trading also took full ownership of Straits Real Estate, paying John Lim's family office $105 million for its 10.5% stake, which actually values that whole business at $1 billion. Straits Real Estate is already a major contributor to Straits Trading's earnings, and it appears to be growing quite fast. Its portfolio includes everything from logistics properties in Australia and South Korea to business parks in Britain. It was even invested in Japan's apartment for rent sector, but it monetized these assets last year. What Straits Real Estate looks for are property assets that offer opportunity for value creation or value unlocking. It also considers how efficiently its capital is being used. So for example, it would favor an investment that yields a return faster than one that takes longer, because that would enable its capital to be quickly recycled. The emphasis is very much on active management. Since the business unit was started, it has already exited and recycled nearly $1 billion in portfolio value, and it now has about $2 billion in assets under management. Straits Real Estate's ability to scour the world for opportunity and concentrate on sectors that are exciting for investors, like logistics and e-commerce, and its focus on capital efficiency, I think, puts it on the right side of technological disruption. It also seems to be a more relevant business model than that of the traditional property developers. As earnings contributions from this business become a larger and larger portion of Straits Trading's total earnings, and with the coming gain from the ARA sale, I think more and more analysts and investors are going to start looking more closely at Straits Trading stock to see how much more upside it offers, which I'm going to talk about next. If you like what you're hearing so far, please subscribe to the BT Mark to Market podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating. And now back to my analysis and insights on market trends and corporate issues in Singapore. As an investor, I'm always nervous about chasing stocks that have run up a great deal, even if the outlook for the company is very rosy. Markets are forward-looking, 
And they have a way of discounting good news as well as bad news very quickly. And the extent to which shares in straits trading have run up would make anyone nervous. Since the beginning of this year, the stock is up nearly 50%, while the Straits Times Index is up less than 8%. But most of this gain seems to reflect ESR Cayman's acquisition of ARA. At the end of last year, shares in Straits Trading were hovering at about $2.05. That was 0.54 times its net asset value of $3.78 per share. By June 30, Straits Trading's NAV had swelled to $4.03 per share. And with ESR Cayman's acquisition of ARA, some analysts figure Straits Trading's NAV would be further boosted to $5.70 per share. Even after the big run-up in Straits Trading this year to about $3.06 currently, the stock is still only trading at about 0.57 times this increased NAV. So my point is, despite the run-up it's had, the stock is actually trading at roughly the same price-to-book ratio as it was at the end of last year, before the sale of ARA was announced. Meanwhile, Straits Trading's underlying profitability is improving, and not just because of its property investment business. Keep in mind that the group is still in the tin business through its 54.8% stake in Malaysia Smelting Corp, or MSC. With the pandemic, MSC has been negatively impacted by movement control orders in Malaysia, but it is positioned to benefit from the surging price of tin, which is up by more than 60% this year, driven by strong demand from the global electronics industry. MSC is also in the process of relocating its smelting operations from Butterworth to a more efficient facility at Pulau Inda, which is expected to further boost its profitability. So, Straits Trading's tin business is another potential earnings driver in the year ahead. The outlook for its hospitality business, through Far East Hospitality Holdings, is a bit more uncertain and hinges on how quickly travel restrictions are lifted. But a recovery will eventually come, and when that happens, this business unit could give Straits Trading a nice post-pandemic tailwind. It's also worth mentioning that Straits Trading is pursuing a big integrated development in Penang called Straits City, which is to comprise residential units, uh, retail space, offices, hotels, and service apartments. The first phase, involving the development of a four-star hotel, has already started, and it is scheduled for completion next year. Apart from the generally positive outlook for Straits Trading's businesses, the company is also demonstrating that it's interested in engaging investors, which I think is very important. Just last month, Straits Trading announced that it had set up a shareholders club to engage its active shareholders as a community and to enhance the level of knowledge about its businesses. Straits Trading is promising that members of its shareholders club will have priority access to networking sessions, webinars and product launches, and have the opportunity to interact with the group's management. Intriguingly, Straits Trading has also said its shareholders club will enable co-investment opportunities, perhaps involving real estate securitization and participatory notes. Only accredited investors will be allowed to participate in these deals, of course, and they will need to have the stomach for some risk. But Straits Trading's initiative to communicate with investors and educate them about its businesses is a positive move that other companies should emulate, and it speaks to the management's awareness that they should be working for all the company's shareholders. 
So for all these reasons, I think Straits Trading is going to be one of the more interesting stocks in the local market over the next couple of years. That's it for this episode of Mark to Market. You can follow my Mark to Market podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. That was an SBH podcast by The Business Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3. Any financial or investment information in this podcast is for use in Singapore only and is intended to be for your general information. Any particular investment or decision should only be made after consulting with a fully qualified financial advisor.